early signing days in the books and for the first time in a long time i think we can say from beginning to end it was it was fun did have to talk ourselves into one thing to be excited about because guess what it was just all organically exciting and that's what we're going to talk about today on this episode of the auburn daily show we are joined as always with our guy pat barnes who has no hot takes to fight this week because there's just nothing. Well, I would say cold takes because he's a freeze freeze joke there, but you know what I'm getting at. There, there's no uh, there's no bad juju out there. If you're an Auburn fan base, I think some other fan bases are going through it right now. I got my hat on because it's cold out there. It's cold outside. I think it's cold everywhere. Why would you say that is? I, I feel bad for our listeners' memes because. The uh, Pat Barnes that you have come to know over the years has a lot spicier opinions than than what I've brought to the table the last couple of months. That's just because things have been going well for Auburn generally as far as the off-the-field stuff's been going and feeling good about our future. And I would say that we just had the best national signing day that Auburn's had since the 2016 Derrick Brown Day. Would you agree? Yeah, so I have a video of you because I was at your I was at your house. And for those out there who need to know this, that there, there have been many eras of Pat Barnes. And what we were describing there, kind of teasing at, was the that that was the Harson Pat Barnes. The the uh the, well, the, the, the Gus Pat Barnes too was not a was not a happy camper. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a vigilant Pat Barnes out there during those days. But the Derek Brown committing days, so the Pat Barnes who has always celebrated signing day is like a, as a holiday either skipping school taking off work i mean it was a it was a true occasion and i was with you one of those days when you took off work happening when Derek brown signed uh, they had a, i think they did a live video of it on espn and if i remember correctly you jumped off the couch screaming i mean it was it was a massive pickup and uh, hey who was i right or was i right and I do want to add to the fact of you being right, because jumping all jumping on the couch and like screaming of jubilant, just like testosterone driven joy for Derek Brown signing aged incredibly well because Derek Brown lived up to all the hype and more and loved Derek Brown. Absolute stud. And yeah, what was he? Was he at number four, six? What was his draft pick? He was sixth overall, I think, sixth or seventh. The Carolina Panthers drafted him in, in the top ten picks. I remember that. I think he and, made uh, it seventh. Yeah, and he's still it was top ten. I mean, yeah, it was no no lower than that. Doing absolute work in Carolina, just like he did absolute work in Auburn, and so that was one five star. You had Owen Pepo, then you had Bo Nix, but guess what? This class right here loaded with them. Yep. And, uh, you know, it just seemed like due to recent events, recent coaches, kind of there weren't a whole lot of rumors of uh, five stars coming. And now the turnaround that Hugh Freeze has done in such a short time. And, and I want to say this. I, I would like to think that I went into this Hugh Freeze hire with very, I would say in my eyes, I try to win it with realistic expectations. I did not come into this with a overly bug. We're going to be competing for the playoffs. We're getting nine or 10 wins year one. 
I didn't come into it with this, oh, this guy is washed. This was a bad hire mentality either. Mine was I, I tried to I tried to keep it very middle of the road. And what I thought is like, okay, his the range I thought for this class would have been, and like I said, I try to keep my expectations just very moderate, was like maybe 17th at the worst, 12th at the best within that range. Obviously, Auburn, and it's not done yet. I mean, you you go to early, you go to true signing day in February. Auburn is six, seven, depending upon the sites, and they still have a low number of guys. They are, I believe, fourth in average star ranking, which kind of leans to say if they add a few more three stars, they might bump up a spot or two. This is sixth, way sixth in average star rating. Sixth? I think they're yeah. fourth. I think they're fourth. Fourth in the SEC. No, I, I think average star rating on all three, they're fourth. Is it 24-7, uh, okay. they're sixth? Yeah, 24-7, they're sixth then. Okay. Re- relative, depending on where you look. Moral of the story, my, those are my expectations. Blew them out of the water. Blew them out of the water. If you had told me a year ago this is where we'd be right now. I'd probably accuse you of booging a little too hard. I'd say that's great. That'd be awesome. We're booging. In fact, in fact, you did accuse me of booging a little too hard probably a year ago. I probably did. I I, I would have accused anybody. And if I did accuse you of booging too hard a year ago, I apologize. I it's like one of those numbers you're just happy to be wrong. I will happily be wrong on this. I did not think Auburn was going to land Cam Coleman. I didn't think they were going to flip or keep. I thought they'd keep him, but it was I was nervous about Perry Thompson. I'll tell you what, he gave us both a heart attack he, today. He, he did. <laughs> that was gifty uh, on his part. I didn't appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm um I'm still kind of coming down from that one. I had and flashbacks then, uh, to TJ Yeldon and Rashawn Evans there for about a half second. Well, I mean, that's what Bama did, and I think that's something that's you know fair to talk about. The second that Auburn was getting momentum, and I mean that they had a lot of that after that national championship that snuck up on them. They did everything they could to yep. keep Auburn from getting high-profile players that could have absolutely kept the momentum running for Auburn. And I'll tell you what right here, I mean, with the way that NIL is panning out, I mean, I really do think this is a, a big equalizer now because the same three or four schools aren't able to keep the lion's share of the talent. Right. And, I mean, you saw what happened with Nebraska. You have saw – I mean, obviously Alabama and Georgia are still cleaning up, but other teams are able to chip away at them, and that's going to start making these games more interesting. It won't just be every single game they play but one or two a year is in a double-digit point spread. It is actually going to be close, exciting, fun games, and it will make the sport of college football better on the field standpoint, when the talent pool is spread out amongst more programs. Because let's be honest, the super team era of the 2010s was fun for a year or two, and then it got really, really old. Patriots versus somebody. Uh, Golden State versus whatever team LeBron's on. Alabama versus Clemson. I mean, it was just – or Ohio State insert. It was boring. Back half of the 2010s in college football, and I guess guess really even the first couple years, all, all in the last year, it was – if you compare the fun and just the uh, joy you had watching college football to what I experienced from 2000 to about 2013 in the BCS era, 
it wasn't even comparable. I mean, the college football playoffs at this point have been so boring to watch year after year. And that's because you knew it was always going to be Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, with what you just said, 80% of the talent. And then you would get your occasional LSU with the, with the generational couple players or a team like that that would sneak in there. Um, but NIL, you're right, it's been the great, great equalizer. And it's not necessarily to say that all the teams are equal now. But as opposed to being the top four teams getting everything, you've got a, a pool of about 20 teams that have resources to compete like this that it's, the talent is starting to spread out amongst. And you're seeing that in the, the rankings right now. You've you got Texas and Washington in there. Um, Michigan, it, it, I mean, Michigan is a blue blood program, but in terms of the last 15 years, they, they weren't a traditional power. I mean, Harbaugh's kind of had to build that thing from the ground up. So it's just college football has been a lot more fun this year than it has uh, in honestly, the decade before it. And it, I think you're right. A lot of it is NIL and transfer portal. Well, a- amateurism, as we remembered it, your daddy's amateurism is dead. And that is just something that we're going to have to kind of just accept. And we're going to have to find ways to evolve the game to kind of keep the pure essence of it there. And just understanding that things are going to be different. And this is a new generation of kids and their values and what they see and different things are going to be different as well and that's just going to be the evolution of it because the the days of kids go into a school because they grew up watching a player or they grew up and they were a fan or whatever whatever and that's just not how it works anymore i mean they are there's so much more business to it because there's so much more money in football at all levels and rather it be fun money rather it be generational changing money whatever it is to these kids it doesn't matter it's none of our business there's two factors There's two factors that every, I won't say every player, two factors that the vast majority of these players care about above everything else. One, how much money am I going to get paid to come here? Two, how how fast are you going to get me to the NFL and how high is my draft pick going to be? Those two things matter way more to the vast majority of players than any other factor as far as, like, what's your school tradition? Um how many championships are we are we going to win while you're there? Those things matter, but they don't matter nearly as much as how you going to get me to the NFL. How much money am I going to make here? Right when they're when when NIL opportunities and NFL coaching pedigrees are all equal, then you get to the feel of the campus, the traditions, the fun, the fans, all that, all those intangibles. Right. And I mean, that stuff is still at play, of course. I mean, you're still seeing the recruiting happen the way that it is. But these conversations that otherwise were not being had. Are now able to be had a little bit more in a little bit different ways than pre NIL era. And you're seeing some changes. And obviously, Auburn is in a situation with what is what they've been doing with on to victory to put themselves in these opportunities because guys now have the chance to come to Auburn and being a top program in the country from history, from current events, from re- from facilities, from money, whatever your parameter is, Auburn is a top program in the country that can compete with anybody in the country. Now you're finally starting to see the players there to do it because there's enough room. Go back to this word here: alignment to make right. all of those things happen. Just getting all the dominoes that Auburn has 
and getting them lined up and just flicking them. And here, and here we are. And this is this is what it looks like here. And, and they're not done yet. I mean, they obviously this this thing can roll into February. There could still be some transfers that can get up onto this. So there's it, two other players that we know about that would have a significant impact on Auburn's class if they chose to sign with Auburn by the time early February rolls around. This it's big time. So let's and we, uh, we can talk about those guys at this point. I think it. it they're both out there in the open. It's, it's Cohen Eccles, the guard from Texas, and then obviously Ryan Williams, the the recla- newly reclassified stud receiver out of uh, Sarah Land. Yeah, and let's say this. You know, Ryan Williams was at the basketball game this past weekend, which was absolutely electric. Not uh, there are not every school in the state of Alabama can actually tout an electric basketball atmosphere. That would be a great place to take recruits to. So that's a really exciting thing to have. And not only that, it's really exciting to have a coach that takes advantage of such things. You can do that? You could. Uh, not every coach that has coached at Auburn knew that. Yeah, somebody uh, needs not, to let pe- people from Idaho know about that. There once was a time where Auburn was ranked number one in basketball, playing a, an electric matchup with Kentucky that would have been like a – that would have been a really good, easy, low-hanging fruit of an activity to take recruits to and be like, Hey, check out how awesome this place is. And just that went that one, you know, that, that was not on the radar, but the good news is recruits are there. Hugh freeze was at the game. He was a celebrity letter holder. And there were not only recruit recruits, they are now signees. Uh, there were lots of guys on the team. I will say Jalen Simpson is an incredible heckler. It was really, really funny seeing him. He was holding up this awesome plankton sign, uh, Auburn eyes plankton sign. And yeah, he was uh, Jalen Simpson was jawing some USC guys. He He's a very funny, funny guy. But point of it being is that is the type of atmosphere. That is the type of culture that's going to keep this thing rolling. And as we mentioned, the NFL prospects are important. The NIL opportunities are important too, but just good old fashioned culture is still at play here. And as I said earlier, alignment across the board, because we saw what happened with Texas A&M. They had the funds to make all these things happen. Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M had gotten guys to the NFL, but obviously there were some other missing links there. And that number one best recruiting class ever didn't pan out for them. And a lot of those guys have all just dipped out of the program. And obviously Jimbo Fisher and staff are gone too. So, right. you know, not to be confused, it's not all about the top of the pyramid. You still have to have a good foundation. But I think we can feel pretty good that Hugh Freeze staff, the players, everybody, the boosters, the fans are doing their part to make that foundation strong right. and rock solid. And we're seeing the results of that now. It's got to come on the field. But it's rolling. And like I said, this is I'm, – I'm, I want you to finish the sentence. This has been – I'm just going to say signing day because, I mean, this early sign – it should be signing day and late signing day. I'm sick of this early signing day and signing day, but, you know, semantics. Finish the sentence. This has been the most fun signing day since blank. Since I would say 2016 when we got Derek Brown. Okay, and before that. Really, 2015 was pretty fun too. Yeah, rough stuff. I mean, 2015 season. Yeah, but that 2015 signing class is when we got – I mean, it was like Byron Cowher, Jeff Holland, Ryan Davis, Javaris Davis, 
that was the must that, that was the must champ yeah. came back on the scene and came in hot. My boy must champ just just stocked the defensive roster for four years straight with one recruiting class. <laughs> that he did. So but moral of the story for the last seven-ish years, it we were and I hate to say this, but I think we can say this now, like it doesn't have to hurt anymore. We don't have to look back and like talk ourselves into the signing class. Right. And the biggest difference here, um, if you look at just raw numbers of our recruiting class, you know, Gus had some recruiting classes where he would finish low top tens, high 11, 12, 8, 9. But the big difference in the one we got today is every single one of these guys outside of maybe three or four were guys that we beat out our main rivals for. And it's, we've got eight top 150, 150 players. I don't remember Gus getting a signing class like that from 2017 to 2020. He had, a, I think, 2014, 2015, maybe 2016 that signing classes were, were close to that. Um, but I think this one is, is ranked even better than those. Maybe 2015 is close to it. But this is, I think this is probably the best. It's just as far as pure talent in the signing class. I think this may be the best one that I've seen at all. Well, that proves your point because Gus, and I'm, I'm going to use, this is not a specific example, just kind of a hyperbole here, but Gus, there'd be like a high four-star guy that would make Gus's class look good on paper. But when you look at it, it was like we beat out Texas Tech for him. Right. And then you're kind of looking there and it was like, like the blue chips of college football weren't really after this guy. Like he was highly ranked, but the recruiting site had him highly ranked. Like that doesn't matter. Recruiting sites yeah. aren't coaching guys. Like, so yeah, I mean that that's kind of the point you've said here and, and proved many times where you look at this one and you see, okay, Cam Coleman, Texas A&M, Perry Thompson, Alabama, Riddick, Georgia, Georgia. Williams, Florida. Uh, Joseph Phillips, where was he? Georgia, where was Georgia he? wanted him back. as well. Yeah. That's right. That's right, guys. He came on early. That was Georgia. And then um, I'm, I'm looking at on threes order here. Let me go back down here. Uh, Waller, obviously Florida. Walker White, Clemson. And I'm going to do uh, last one here. DeAndre Carter. Where was he Texas. looking at? Texas. Texas. There we go. So, so yeah, that's, those are your top eight, top eight players right that, there. And every single one of those guys, we beat out one of the big dogs, for, at least one of the big dogs for. So you're beating out playoff contending teams for players. And when you beat off playoff contending teams for players, you have playoff talent, which goes to show you will probably be in the playoff soon. It's funny how that works. So. Yeah, I mean, this this is something that we can really feel excited about. It looks like a good class. It looks like a balanced class. And uh, let's get into this topic here, because I know this is something kind of worth talking about. So there's been some chatter here, and Hugh Freeze said it in his press conference. I would encourage anybody out there who's on this episode who hasn't listened to this press conference, go listen to Hugh Freeze's press conference he did on signing day. It's very telling. So he kind of even admitted that – we went all in. We went a little bit heavier on the high school guys versus the portal guys. Insert reasons here, there, but Pat, let's have a discussion about that because I know we got some feelings about this. Okay. So, high school versus portal because the portal has been romanticized as of late, but it seems to be that Hugh and staff tried to keep it old fashioned and stick strong in the high school. And as we're recording right now, I believe they only have two portal commitments. Is that right? 
three. We got we got a third one today. Third one today. Okay, so go over our portal commitments we have so far. It is we got Robert Lewis, the receiver from mm-hmm. Florida State. We've talked about him. Yep. Um, over the over the weekend, we got a defensive lineman from Kansas. He he started in Minnesota, transferred to Kansas. His name is Gage Keys. Uh, I Last, think he's going to probably be a more of a rotational piece than a frontline starter at defensive tackle, uh, but we'll see. But last guy we got from Kansas turned out pretty well, right? He did. I I don't think this guy's going to be that good, uh, but I, I hope I hope he ends up being just as good. Right, I'm just you know wishful thinking. And our last guy that we got this past he's weekend, a, I I, don't, I may be mispronouncing his last name. We got him today, actually. His name is oh, Dorian. Yeah, Dorian Mousy, who's a linebacker M- from Duke. He's he's played a lot of football, and I think he's got like 160 something tackles. I really think, you know, we were recruiting the guy from Georgia. Um, I, I think his name is Jamon Dumars Johnson. Is that his name? I thought that was going to be a tall task because I, I disagree with some people on this. I think, especially Keys, looked pretty good to me most of the year when he when he was in the game. And I have learned on the message boards that people don't agree with me on that sentiment. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be pleased when he's fully healthy next year. We kind of brought in Mousy to be uh, the third linebacker in the rotation, kind of get let Riddick and Phillips and Barber get their feet wet throughout the year to kind of be ready to be in more starring roles in the coming years. Right. So why? So I, I want to do an exercise here. Why do you think it will be a good thing that we went high school heavy? And then why do you think it could be a bad thing we went too high school heavy? Play, well, I want you to play thing, devil's advocate with yourself. The good thing about going to high school heavy is I, I just think that's how you build a successful winning program. And I think Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and these other schools have proven that throughout the years. And I think since the transfer portal has become a thing, I can't. Maybe I'm missing somebody. I don't. I can't recall a heavy transfer portal laden team winning it so far, or even getting really far in the playoffs. The, is there somebody that I'm just missing off the top of my head? I cannot think of anybody. No, that that was transfer heavy. That really made a big. I mean, your your teams that have been to the playoffs have gotten some top end talent from the playoff. Yeah. It wasn't like you know. So I think, and that's where I was going with this. I think the formula you're seeing with teams that that are making it to the playoffs are they're using their homegrown talent to to get far. And what they're doing is they're they're cherry picking about four or five guys out of the portal. And some of those but are starters. Are, some of that, right? But when you're top to your program, you can cherry pick who you want. Right. But I, th- I mean, that's but that's the problem. That's what I'm saying. These top tier programs are all guys that have developed their own talent. They recruited out of high school. Right. So I think the, the the facts to this point have just come to show that these top tier programs aren't just picking and choosing the best play all the best players out of the portal to make some type of super team conglomeration. I, I think I think that's I think Freeze is making the right call by doing by choosing to go this direction. Now as now, far as yeah, yeah double talk about why that. it would be a yeah. bad thing. The bad thing is that. All the odds are about 50% of this recruiting class is not going to pan out the way we think they should pan out based off their um, rankings. And if you look at it historically, I think that's a pretty fair representation of high school players that 
pan out versus ones that don't pan out is about 50% of your players end up doing what you think they're going to do. Uh, so the problem with that is when you rely heavy on freshmen, which we have this year, there's probably going to be more true freshmen that play for us next year. And the simple fact of the matter is a lot of these kids, even though they're highly ranked, are not going to be ready to get on a college football field their very first year of the program. Um, I think if you're looking at 50%, you know, we're, we're pro- a lot of people are probably expecting Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson to come in and be starters, set the world on fire next year. History and odds say that only one of those guys is going to be somebody that's really effective in the SEC, at least next year. Um, so that you're at the point where you're you're relying on these inexperienced freshmen to provide a ton of valuable minutes for you. And that could cause you to suffer in the short term. So if we get to that point next year where we're, we've got a bunch of these true freshmen that are playing tons of minutes, try to be patient with these guys. Um, we're work, we're going to be working through some 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 freshman yips, I guess you could call it. Kind of like Keldrick Fault this past year. You know, he started off slow the first half of the year, didn't, didn't really pop much. Second half of the year, he started really coming on when he got to feel the game. If we got a lot of freshmen playing next year, that's probably the same type of deal you're going to see this coming year. Now, let's let's I'm gonna do, we're gonna do an exercise here, uh, and this is gonna kind of correlate into our ad read here. What coach probably needs to go to Opelika Rage Room after today? Uh, Sunbelt Billy, as you like to call him. I would say, and I know I know uh, Billy Napier is a big fan of the show, listens often. Uh, just shoot me a DM. I will talk to some people. We'll get you into the Opelika Rage Room. Because let me tell you, buddy, you need it. If I remember right, at least a week or two ago, you had the top three or four recruiting class in the country. I think you've now dropped down to 16th or 17th by most ranking standards. That's got to be tough. We'd even made this joke last week about him needing to come to the Rage Room due to how tough their schedule is. And, I mean, I hate to say that the jokes keep writing themselves, but woo, buddy, it is rough down in Florida. So if you are out there and your team – had a bad signing day. You lost some flips, which you know Auburn didn't do. You know what? A rage room is a great place to go. You need to you need to break some stuff because recruiting a signing day didn't go your way. Check out Opelika Rage Room if you're in the Auburn, Alabama area. If you really thought Perry, if you're an Alabama fan, which may not be listening to the show, but if you're you know an Alabama fan and they're down bad because a lot of them really did in their heart of hearts believe that Perry Thompson was flipping back to Alabama, and uh, there were a lot of them that were tweeting through it today. Say, don't tweet through it. Just go to the Rage Room. You know what? There's a location in Birmingham, too. Birmingham Rage Room. A lot of Bambers in Birmingham. Don't tweet about it right now. Just go to the Rage Room. If you're a Bama fan and you're sad that Auburn is so back right now, maybe go check out a Rage Room. That's a really good place to just get that out. Because like this is probably going to lead to things that will really make you need a Rage Room before too long. But locations in Birmingham and Opelika. Check out their website to book a reservation, rather than be in Birmingham, BirminghamRager.com, or Opelika, OpelikaRageRoom.com. Both are tons of fun. All the information is on there. And you know what? Maybe if you're an Auburn fan and you're like, I don't have a ounce of rage in my body right now after how it go after how today went, but you're just so pumped. Maybe that that just excited energy. You can you can go get it out there too. It, it doesn't always have to be an anger thing. It can just be a I'm I'm so pumped I want to break something. And that that's that's a very fair way to do it as well. So I want to thank them as always for sponsoring the show. And of course, Billy, if you're out there listening, we feel you. We know it hasn't been a rough day for you. So 
Yes. Auburn did not yeah. lose any flips. Billy Can't lost relate. quite the yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't know what you're going through. But I, w- I want to ask you another another question here, Pat. I think there's a bit of a lot of attention, which rightfully deserved at the top of this class. Could you give us some guys that maybe you're kind of in the middle or even the lower side of this class that may not be getting enough attention, but are some guys that maybe we need to cir- circle and say this guy uh might not be getting the attention that he deserves. How about I'll give you three names that I really like that are kind of on the bottom half of the class. I like uh, Bryce Kane. Well, I'll, I'll give you four names because I think there's really four guys that pop out to me. Bryce Kane and Malcolm Simmons, who are our two less heralded receivers that we have to go along with Perry and Cam. Uh, Malcolm Simmons, I think, is about six foot, six foot one, 180 pounds. He's a, he's a do it all athlete. He's got crazy vertical. Catches everything that's thrown his way. He does a ton of damage on screens. He, I think he's going to start out at outside receiver for us. But, I mean, if, if Thompson and Coleman and Kane and possibly Williams, if we get him, if they all come in and blow it up, I think you could see Simmons switch over to the defensive backfield. And I think he'd do really well there, too. He's one. You got Bryce Kane out of a Baker Mobile, who we've talked about a bunch. He's, he's an electric slot type receiver. He's going to do some damage in the future. The other two guys that I really like that we haven't talked about as much is the first one is actually Marcus Harris's little brother. His name is Malik Blockton. He's a defensive lineman out of Pike Road. And I think right now he's about 6'4", 280. He's probably somebody that's going to grow into a three-technique defensive tackle, kind of like Marcus Harris did. He's got a lot of pop and explosiveness when you watch him. Um, everybody that's – that. Can, can comprehend high school football film more than I can, really likes what they see out of the kid. They say he's got really advanced hands this stage of his career. So I think we've got somebody who's going to be really good a couple years down the line in Blockton. And then the last guy that I really like is the linebacker from Clay Shawful, D'Angelo Barber. It sounds like this guy is your prototypical middle linebacker, kind of in the mold of K.J. Britt when he was here at Auburn where K.J. was kind of that fringe three-star, four-star player, but he would just stick his nose in the line, played aggressive, smart football player, would, would come down full speed and just hit you in the mouth right at the line of scrimmage. Sounds like Barber's that same type of linebacker. So those are some of the less heralded guys we got that I'm really excited to see at some point in the future. Yeah, and I also want to kind of give a little shout-out here, uh, just out of principle only, but uh, Caleb Harris. Yeah. Solely because you just got a guy out of Thompson. And ever since Thompson just somehow struck oil, I guess, you know, Alabama, Alabaster, Alabama's big oil country and got like a 60 something million dollar school with like a community, like a borderline, like group of five size football facility. Just insane. And then, you know, right after that, do you, do you remember be, how tiny and a joke? Thompson's athletic facilities were when we were in high school. Yeah. So background, Pat and I are from the uh, over the mountain area in Birmingham. We'll just leave it at that. And, and Thompson was like a, that, that was like a, that was like the pay, the pay game version in high school. Like, yeah, you, I mean, you Thompson, would go there was like a win. You would just gold drag whatever, whatever athletic team they rolled out there. Yeah. It, it was like a, that was like, if you even went to that game, you're leaving at halftime because how boring it was. The, the kids who suck are playing in that game. Then all of a sudden, they're pumping out four and five stars to Tuscaloosa left and right. I'm not I'm not trying to connect any dots. I'm not trying to wear a tinfoil hat here. 
but it was very, very suspect how that just came out of nowhere. Maybe Hoover High School sent one too many guys to Auburn, and that that plug had to get pulled. Same deal with Prattville. And now, I mean, it seemed like Thompson's doing their thing. But, uh, yeah, they finally get a guy. And there had been guys that had been linked to Auburn from Thompson for years that, for just one reason or another, never made it to Auburn. And uh, like that kid – remember that – do what? The fix was in, I guess. Remember that kid who was the, the lineman a year or two ago who's car, he couldn't visit Auburn because his car broke down? <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorite horses stories. They were like, this this kid's going to make it eventually, I promise. Like, oh, his car broke down. He just never showed up to Auburn again. <laughs> nobody n- nobody could find – like, Harson took a took a Tahoe all the way back to Boise, Idaho. But we and couldn't we find kept, a way to – Yeah. Kept tabs on that Tahoe. We couldn't figure out where Stanton Ramble was there. We couldn't find a way to get this kid from Tom. It was, yeah, just incredible, incredible times. So, needless to say, feeling good about the class. And, of course, it's not over. There is regular signing day that will be coming up. So, expect them to hopefully top off this class even more. And at this point, I think it is going to be all eyes on the portal guys. And I'm going to say this too, and a huge thing, and Hugh Freeze did mention this in the press conference, but I believe he said half or over half of this class is going to be available to be practicing in the springtime. Yep. Hey, and, I think DeMarcus Riddick and uh, somebody else was already out there practicing the other day. Blockton, Blockton and Riddick were already practicing with the yeah. football team. Right, and I don't know if that like does that mean they can practice but can't play in the bowl? I don't, I don't right. know. How, not that yeah, they, they would, but like they can't play in the bowl again. Okay, I was like, is that? I, I didn't know where that gray area was in the rule. But yeah, I mean the fact that they're already out there, and and the key thing with this is it's not just the practice, but you know, shout out to my folks that are nutrition and dietetics, just bulking guys up, getting them on a collegiate level diet plan. I mean, not trying to hate on some of these high school kids, but if you've ever been around a big high school kid. Most of them don't know how to eat properly. There's a reason that the people that are feeding these guys and giving them diet plans have master degree, master's degrees. Right. So getting them in there early saying, hey, you need to eat these kind of calories. You need to take these types of vitamins. You need to be drinking these protein shakes at this time of the day to get your weight here, your muscle here, your body fat here. I mean, it is like human engineering with how intense that – they can get these guys from just a pure diet standpoint. And that's not even including what they do in the weight room, the playbook, practice, anything like that. So the fact that they can be ahead of this stuff, that, I mean, nearly, what what are we now here? Uh, nine, 10 months before the season starts. That is going to be massive. Because as we said earlier, we're probably going to be leaning on a few of these true freshmen to get going. So I got two more things I want to get to this episode before we wrap it up. I don't want to ask you this question here. Yeah, it's here. Which guys do you think will be playing? Uh, significant might be a strong word, but who, what are guys that we're going to see probably be getting some snaps this upcoming season? Here's some guys to look out for. I left out a huge one on the back half of the class, and this probably because I don't late. consider him a, a back half player. But Laquan Robinson, I think, has got a good sharp <laughs> shot to start at safety this year. Okay. He was a. Uh, Really physical safety out of high school, and I, it was I think maybe in Greenville, Alabama. He's from. He's already listed the six six two, almost two hundred pounds. So he's got the yeah. size already. 
And the book on him was that he would have been a higher ranked player in high school, but they kind of, he was one of those guys whose grades were so bad. They knew he was going straight Juco. So I don't think anybody spent a bunch of time rating him properly. But uh, if you believe the rumors, Kiffin tried to tried to flip him late early this morning or late yesterday and was unsuccessful in doing it. So this is a guy that I think is going to maybe start for us right off the bat. So he'd be one. I think either Coleman or Thompson is going to start at that outside receiver spot. I lean Coleman because he's going to be here in the spring. He's going to have a kind of a leg up in practice. But, you know, Thompson's a freak too. He can end up taking that spot from him if, if uh, he shows up right they, they, they had the 100-yard foot race. It looked like Perry had him beat by a step. Yeah, it did look like that. I, it was tough to tell, but it did look like that. Yeah, I, I think, think Mal- uh, Malcolm Simmons might need we, – we might need to help uh, – Help my, uh, Malcolm Simmons' camera cameraman skills. Yeah, I'm with you. Ma- so ma- I that think the, the other two guys that I think are going to play a good bit of minutes next year are Demarcus Riddick because it sounds like he's already kind of showing out in practice at linebacker, and I think he's probably going to be the fourth linebacker next year. So I'm excited to see him. He's one of our more highly rated guys and got him from Georgia. And then the last guy I think is going to play a good bit of snaps is Jamonte Waller. At, the, at that Jack linebacker spot. Unless we bring somebody else in the transfer portal, Waller is probably going to either be the second or third Jack up. And I, I'm trying to remember who our Jacks were this year. It was it was McAllister and McLeod, right? Was there a third Jack that played at all? Um, oh, she's on my depth chart in front of me. I, I, I don't think – I don't think he did, but – I think you're going to see three Jacks play more than two Jacks did this year. So I bet Jamonte Waller gets a good amount of snaps at that Jack linebacker. He won't start. McLeod's entrenched there, I think, as the starter. And maybe we bring in a transfer. And I think there's also a possibility we move Cam Riley over into that spot. But All right. Uh, I, I, I'm going to get you a little buy-sell here. Not including kneel downs. Do you think Walker White gets more no. or less than 10 snaps this year? Wait, I'm taking the under big time. So you don't think he you don't think he plays at no. all? No, no. I think I think White's I think White's got a bright future at Auburn, but to me he's he's the type of quarterback that's going to need a couple of years getting acclimated to the speed of the game, kind of like Gurner should have. I don't think Gurner probably ever should have gotten those snaps he got in the two game, couple games he's gotten in his career. So I think White's going to be on that uh kind of that Aaron Rodgers Jordan Love Green Bay plan where you're you're got him in incubation for a couple of years, getting him ready for the limelight. All right. Uh, assuming Auburn does not bring in a transfer quarterback, you think Hank Brown has over or under ten passes? Under. I think I think Garner's going to get those snaps. Okay, that is what I need to know. All right. Any other players on this recruiting class thus far who you think this guy might be a sleeper for passes? And then we got one last subject matter to cap us off. I don't know what to make of Joe Phillips. He's he's a really highly ranked player, and I know. SEC teams loved him. Georgia wanted him bad. I don't really – and I, when I say I don't know what to make of him, I don't know if he fits in at Jack or off-ball linebacker. But everybody says he's an incredible athlete. He's got a great nose for the football. So, wherever – if he does get on the field, it's, I'm sure he will perform well. And I just don't know where that's going to be yet. Is he coming in the springtime? He's, he's he's the third one that's practicing right now, actually. Oh, he's so already, he's already practicing. On, well, there you go. Yeah, he's already out there with him. And he, he's been playing middle linebacker, I think, so far. Big time. All right. Well, let's get to our uh, – let's get to my favorite. 
favorite recruit signee. Preferred walk-on wide receiver from Phoenix City, Cam Coleman's best friend, Dylan, I guess, Gentry. Why do you like him so much, man? There, There's a level of swagger that we have not seen at Auburn in quite some time. And <laughs> I think Dylan is bringing this – I think he's bringing this to Auburn. I want to shout out the college loop for – just getting this graphic out there for the world. And I mean, this is awesome. He, he got the me versus me. He, it looks like he's got some grills on. He's got this Island boys hairstyle going on. He's kind of got the flat bill with a little bit of a, you know, cock to it. Mean mugging the camera. Uh, Dylan has a moxie that I think could be contagious on this team. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, the wide, I, I mean, I'm going to call a spade a spade here. The wide receiver room this past year and the year before that, the year before that has not had the mojo. Am I wrong? They, they've lacked the uh, confidence that this kid so obviously has. Just being there at practice, scout team, whatever, in the room, Dylan's bringing it. I'm happy he's a part of this team. I love I love the idea of the preferred walk-ons because I, I, walk-ons don't get enough love. And you know what? I'm calling it right now. Dylan is the next Will Hastings. Welcome to the team, Dylan. Let's bring it home again. Be a little speedster. And you know what? Connect with your Jared Stidham. Remember, Dylan, Will Hastings, Jared Stidham. It was a. It, it was a. I mean, it was just an unmatched connection, and it made 2017 special. That's what we were telling our Bama friends earlier. Memes is I can't wait till uh, Dylan Gentry gives you the uh, Hunter Renfro treatment in, in the Iron Bowl in a couple of years and, and see what their reaction to that is. They're not they're not ready for it. No, um, they are not ready for it. I am I'm looking forward to his uh, game day piece when he earns a scholarship. And you know they do like the interview because they, every, there's always one of those a year. We got the walk on who earned his stripes. You know. Auburn joke and then he gets a scholarship and they kind of do a little life story but now this kid's awesome I'm um, I'm happy he is on the team glad he got the shout out from the college loop uh according to you, you said him and Cam Coleman are boys or roommates is that what we're hearing I, I read they're best friends apparently hey you know what I mean Phoenix City won state so this this Dylan has a ring so and I mean the thing about it is like I mean you're playing in Cam Coleman's shadow, and that's not anything to take away from him. Cam Coleman is literally one of the best wide receivers in the country. So, like, it just is kind of the nature of the beast. But if you're if you're a preferred walk on at any SEC school, you're really really good. You know, I think people kind of think like, oh, walk on. You know, I could be a walk. Like, no, absolutely not. Like, don't even don't even go there. These guys are absolute studs. So, yes. Excited to see what he's going to do for Auburn. Pat, that's going to close us out for this episode of the most jubilant early signing day, really signing day that we've had in nearly a decade. I know you're feeling good. You didn't. You weren't able to take all four today for this one, were you? No, I, I worked today, but it's it's Christmas time, so I was able to pay attention. Yeah, we were able to able to check it out. I had a busy day, but I was still keeping an eye on things. It went great. It's not over. 
and we're gonna we're gonna keep it going. I think we'll have a lot of good stuff. It is bowl season. Uh, it looks like Tulia Tungabloa is opting out of the game, so that is just gonna make this absolutely wild. I went absolutely viral for an incredible Bama troll of saying that he was scared to play Auburn just like his brother. And <laughs> I missed that. It's pretty good. <laughs> Bama fans went absolutely bananas over that tweet. And then I just doubled down <laughs> on it and they just, they couldn't handle themselves. So it's like, they're just so easy. They're just so easy. <laughs> it's a pretty good. One. So we just, yeah, we just, we just went, we just went for it. So, but that's going to wrap us up for today's episode of the Auburn daily show. Make sure to check us out on YouTube, like subscribe, uh, more content rolling out there of course on the podcast hit the like follow subscribe button whatever it is leave a review of course leave a comment tell us which player you're excited to see coming to the planes this upcoming year and hey you know what it feels good we don't have to talk ourselves anything it's just gonna happen they did the thing and you know what if you like where this momentum's going and you don't already hey go to on victory.com un you know, this is just a free shout out. There's no sponsorships here. If you've got a little extra money, you know, help out on to victory because that is most definitely going to help keep the good times rolling. That is all we got. Ooh, I kind of yelled there. That is all we got for the show. This is your host, Alex, better known on the socials as at Auburn Memes. That's where you can find me. If you like trolling, especially trolling Bama fans right now, really good follow for that content. You can't find out where Pat Barnes is. He is a man of mystery. Batman does not reveal who he really is. But of course, you can check them out every week on this show here. I want to thank you as always for joining. We will be back with good more content as it keeps rolling. And we look forward to it. And thank you for listening to the show.